Captain's Log, Stardate 74462.9. Our recent survey mission has garnered the interest of neighboring sectors. I am pensive regarding whether or not this is a matter of avenging something unknown to us. Nevertheless, Lieutenant Commander David tells me there is more to our recent survey mission than what we originally thought. This episode of These Are the Voyages is dedicated to reading. Well, hey everyone, and welcome back to another installment of These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, or at least I think I am. Maybe I died and I was resurrected or something. Um, it's quite possible. And uh, I'm the captain. I'm the captain. I'm Captain Chase McKinney. And today I'm joined my, by my friend. At least I hope he's my friend. I hope he hasn't forgotten that um, or losing his mind or anything like that. Anyways, Lieutenant Commander David, what's up, bud? Welcome back. Hey, man. It seems like we just talked yesterday. <laughs> it's all wibbly wobbly. In the, <laughs> yeah. With how this all lines up. But yes, yeah, we've had a lot of frequent recent conversations. Uh, but between talk and discovery and other sci-fi-ish shows, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, a lot, lot of Trek. It's kind of amazing how much, uh, <clears throat> how much you can really drum up when you feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, um, you know when when we're talking about this, you know, Terra Firma has like just come out, like within like a couple days, but. When everyone in listener land is hearing it, it's already Christmas. So, like, we're like, I mean, we're, it's, it's weird. Like, we've stepped through the Guardian of Forever, or we've slingshot around the moon or the sun or something. We got some weird get wh- some whales. Yeah, and we, we did save a whale. And uh, I hope no one ate whale for Christmas because that'd be kind of awkward and yeah. probably pretty gamey, weird stuff. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea what a whale would taste like. I don't know that they really, back when that was a thing to hunt whales, I don't really I don't know. know where they hunt it. They weren't really hunting it for food. No. They were hunting it for the blubber and, and the shampoo, other things. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. It's kind of gross. You've never smoked a whale before, have you? <laughs> I have not, no. <laughs> I haven't smoked a whale, smoked with a whale or beside a whale. I don't know. I've never even personally seen a whale, so... Would you, could you in a box? Would you, could you with a fox? Little, little Dr. Seuss Depends action. Depends on what... Uh, Dr. Seuss, man. I, <laughs> something about those green eggs. We don't know I, what green eggs were code for. Hmm. <sighs> hmm. Well, everyone, thank you for watching, for listening, whatever you're doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to leave a comment... <laughs> All right, that was that was our shortest episode ever, only two and a half minutes. Yeah. Wow. No, you're right though. I I, I do find it interesting, you know, r- recording order, release order. Um, you know, Sundays I normally sit down and I upload my week's worth of you know videos to YouTube and stuff, and sometimes I think it's like, I wonder if this video is more topical to right now. And then I just wind up just going in the order in which I edited all this stuff. So it doesn't really matter. Sure. But yeah, Terra Terra Firma is officially over. And now we've got a 
book. Yes. Yeah, we do have a book. And I feel like this has been a long time coming, you know, with, with our discussion. Because once again, you know, we started this this Shatnerverse stuff in the summer. And we had to take um, a, like a forced hiatus of it. Like with yeah. con- doing part two because of stuff that we talked about last month. Um, but anyways, yeah, we did Ashes of Eden, which was the first book back in, I think, June or July. Uh, it's it's on there. Just whenever it came out, that's when it came out. Um, we did that, and then we did the return last month, uh, which was the second book. And I think we had a we had a pretty good time talking about that one. A lot of Shatnerisms, definitely in that book. And uh, anyway, this this month um, for this particular episode of um, Star Trek gets lit, Star Trek literature. We're doing um, Star Trek. Ad- <laughs> That was that was like a dad joke or something. I'm sorry. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> just a just a wee bit. It's fine. But anyways, we're doing uh, Star Trek Avenger. So it's the third book in the. Um, I guess it's it's considered the retro, actively um, called what the the Odyssey trilogy. I think is what like Star Trek Memory Alpha has has deemed this uh, for whatever reason. Yeah. But anyways, this this is. Um, it has nothing to do with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It has nothing to do with Marvel Comics, okay, with a title like Avenger. Captain America does not show up in this book, y'all, okay? As much as you might want to, or Iron Man or the Hulk, no, it does not show up in this Dang book. It. Dang. I know, you're pretty disappointed. If, you know... It's, it's too bad. If you could have an Avenger show up in this book, who would it be? Well, you're asking a real expert on Marvel here. Hey, you uh, know all what? The comics and movies I've read and or watched. Now, I, I don't know. I, I was never a, really a big superhero person. Um, I guess if you're just talking about which Avenger I actually like, <laughs> it, it pro- I mean, I, I guess I was always like in Iron Man and then in the DC verse, it was Batman who were just two normal dudes that were smart and yes, they had a lot of money, but they were also smart and they just tried to do the right thing. Sure. So yeah, Iron Man could just fly in with his suit. He'd, he'd fit in, uh, I guess. There we go. (laughs) He's, he's going warp nine. (laughs) He's only two meters long. What is it? (laughs) I was trying to think, I was trying to think. There's a next gen episode with a what was it like a probe that was launched with um, oh, is it Kalar, Worf's uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know very brief love interest. They just launched her in like an old torpedo casing or something like that. Right. It's only two meters wide, long. <laughs> so anyway, good times. Yeah, Iron Man. There you go. There we go. Yeah, a rich guy that can fly around in a cool little suit. Save the day. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. I don't know. Solid. I think I think it'd be kind of fun to have, like, maybe Doctor Strange kind of show up. Just, like, do, like, a little portal step-through thing. You know, just bring him right out. Or, you know, Star-Lord and the Guardians of the Galaxy. That'd be cool, too. Just zipping around God. in a spaceship. They're already in space. I mean, might as well just join up with... Doctor uh, Strange... Doctor Strange would be interesting because they'd they'd have to try and science him. It's magic. Mm-hmm. You know, insert 
Star Trek science words now. And, you know, maybe Jordy can figure it out. And, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, all, all kidding aside, uh, this is the third book in the, uh, the, I think there's like a total of five. Um, I mean, <laughs> I do, they, do they can do they continue to build off of this story though? I guess I never really looked into that. Yeah, yeah. So I I was reading it. Um, in fact, I think it's. Hold on, let me let me get to. It. I think it's like the dedication in this particular book. Um, so so here we go. So William Shatner, I think part of his dedication. No, no, just something before the dedication. Whatever it's called, just a note, I guess. Uh, it says three is a lucky number. This is the third of a trilogy of novels, and I also have three editors to whom I wish to dedicate this novel. Kevin Ryan, John Ordover, and uh, Margaret Clark, members of the illustrious clan of Simon and Schuster. All good things come in threes. Now just to louse things up, the publisher has asked for another two novels. I've got to find me a couple of editors. And I don't know um, necessarily what comes next, but we have... Um, Spectre, and I think it's Vulcan's Forge that come next, uh, immediately following this. So, <laughs> Vulcan's Forge. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Okay. So, figure that one out. Um, hmm. But anyways, so this particular storyline, this th these three books have been about essentially the revived James T. Kirk. Um, you know, the one that kind of died in generations. Canon, uh, right? Totally canon. Yeah, yeah. This is this is a hundred percent canon. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Can you imagine though what this what this would have actually been like had this been canon? Like all the shenanigans that everyone would have gotten into had this actually been canon for Star Trek? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm so used to all the offshoots and so forth that. Star Wars fans call legends now or it used to just be the extended universe where a million and one little weird things could happen um, which are now no longer canon right mm -hmm. but um, but yeah just <laughs> kind of reanimated I guess Kirk died comes back to life uh, <clears throat> you know we're not going to look into that too hard uh, so, hey, who knows, man? I mean, Scotty came back one time. I mean, apparently Bones lives forever and likes to go to pleasure planets. <laughs> Maybe a little bit too much information, but it happened. You know, Spock's doing Spock old. things. 146 years uh, old, dude. Hundred, good we, genes, man. We were so... What was it? We, was it last month or was it just like some other random discussion that we were having where we were talking about how old is the dude? Because he showed up as yeah. like a wrinkly old admiral at Encounter at Farpoint. Yeah. Well, see, and that that was that was part of the discussion because I could not remember hearing anything with McCoy because I was just listening to the uh, the audible versions of these and I didn't remember that. And you, you start talking. It's like, wait a minute. McCoy was in here and I somehow completely like went past that. And yeah, my question was, it's like, wait, how old is he right now? Right. And then yeah, far point. It's like, how long does this guy live? 
Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe he's down for a new body. Maybe he's down for the, the now canon fountain of youth that may or may not be. <clears throat> Never mind. Picard. <clears throat> you love that so much, don't you? <laughs> did you play, uh, did you play Pokemon at all growing up? Oh, sure, yeah. The the original ones. Yeah, yeah. As a kid. So, um when that episode came out, <coughs> I, I did a little um a little photo manip type of thing and it was not it was not a good one. And I can't remember if I showed you this picture or not, David, but I took the Pokemon um, Golem, Golem, you know, Geodude's final form from the original 150. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I and so what I did was uh, I did like the TNG uniform on him. So I did like the top of his boulder, like shoulders around in red, or no, or you know whatever. I, I did like the yeah. red, the red and the black, right? Um, regardless of what era uniform. And I put like the little Starfleet um, combat Delta thing on on the mm-hmm. chest, and I found like the "Who's that Pokemon" uh, background, and I put "It's Picard." <laughs> uh. But yes, apparently the Fountain of Youth is a thing in the form of you know these Robo Golem things, which. That's a different show. Let's not Sometimes we just have now. a hard time saying goodbye to characters. Unless it's Tasha Yar. <clears throat> I have no problem saying goodbye to her. Oh. Oh. And then even then we didn't because she came back, kind of, and then procreated, kind of. Div. She procreated herself, sort of, and then became evil. Mm-hmm. Almost like a mirror universe, but without goatees. Did she have a goatee, though? I'm kidding. No. Just a bowl cut. <laughs> a weird one. But speaking, <laughs> speaking has of... Has nothing to do with this book, either. <laughs> no, well, actually, hold on. Hold on. I'm about to do some backflips into it. I'm about to do some backflips into it, okay? <sighs> so with Sila, Sila, whatever, um, Sila... She she shows up in Unification, right? Like the Unification episode, the Unification mm. storyline of the mm-hmm. Next Generation, which this particular book has ties to. Yeah, yeah, and I, I've got a couple of. Um, we'll have I'll have a couple of questions that kind of relate to that as we go along. Okay, for sure, because they're. they're there are definitely some things about the book, about the structure of the book that I, I take some exception to, um, but you know we we can get into that as we go. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, so there's kind of two-ish kind of storylines kind of going on with this book. Um, well, it seemed it seemed like all we were doing was creating storylines in the very beginning of the book. I mean, we were like following. Like what? Three different characters just mm-hmm. in the in the beginning of the book. It was a right. little, it was a little distracting for me. Oh, and then at the very end, it felt like it was kind of just <laughs> all kind of like info dumped. You know, like it was just like, okay, here we go. Let's we're gonna finally talk about like what's going on and and kind of yeah. tying that to the title of this particular 
book. So just just like last time, you know, when we when we had this discussion, even the the time before, like the whenever we talk about a book, you know, we're not going to talk about every stinking little aspect of the book like we do with an engage episode, for example. Um, we want to just kind of whet your appetite, so to speak, so that you go and read it or listen to it yourself. Um, you can buy the book wherever you can find it. I mean, it's an old book. I mean, it came out in, hold on a second, 1997. Yeah, 1997. Um, Originally in hardback, and a year later it was released in paperback. Um, So it's it's 370 some odd pages for the book, and it's um, it's three hours for the um, for the audiobook. Right. Um, so whatever, I mean, whatever floats your boat, if you want to do, you know, abridged or whatever and do the three hour adventure, go for it. And maybe that'll spur you on to actually, you know, read the book. Um, and, and, and realistically, the audio is, uh, it, it's, it's pretty decent. You know, you, you do have William Shatner reading it. And at times he likes to uh, <clears throat> attempt to change his vocal pattern a bit. Uh, which is always, which is always fun. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it gets a little higher when he's talking like a woman, and then sometimes he does something like this for Picard, and then it changes. And then Data, the last book was was interesting. Um, so yeah, but I got I gotta I, I want to throw something out. Okay. Yeah. I don't think William Shatner likes Riker very much. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Right. I was oh thinking the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. There was just a part where he he had this mumbly, stumbly kind of dialogue. It's like, derp, you know, here's the comic relief. Da, 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 you know, for the for the book. It's like, dang. Well, you don't uh, you don't like Will. What's up with that? Yeah. There there was a part in here, and and I don't know if you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. I think it was um, on the audio book. I think it was the track for um, chapter two, I want to say maybe chapter three. And there's a part where he's doing kind of like a, a, for lack of a better word, like just kind of a derpy voice. And, <laughs> and, and I, I'm not insulting this actor, but it just, it reminded me so much of uh, John Lovitz with like one of the voices that, that William Shatner did. And I'm like, wait a second, did you like lose the character? Because it seriously sounded like you were doing that derpy John Lovitz voice for Riker. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait what's what? I mean, yeah, I got, I got, <laughs> you got, you have multiple, multiple things up there behind you. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It, it just, it did seem a little odd. Um, that he, I don't know. He obviously, you know, has a, has a fair amount of respect for Picard. He doesn't really do much with Picard, but yeah, old Riker, man. I don't, I don't really think he, he quite, uh, quite cares for that. And he also gave Deanna an interesting little Star Wars, Obi-Wan Kenobi, I felt them all die moment, you know? I thought that was interesting too. Suddenly, by, by, by the way, that means people died. So anyway, <laughs> so there's. I just want to read a little bit about um, 
the 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 plot, um, and this is taken mm-hmm. from the book jacket, so it's not like it's really spoiling anything. Uh, this might seem like a lot, but just to kind of set the stage for maybe what's going on. Um, a lethal virus um, has um, has threatened the Federation. Uh, plant life in the Federation, it's, it's led to some starvation, some disillusion. And um, anyways, resources are being stretched to their limit, basically. And um, star systems and whatnot are being put under quarantine, and there's a lot of um, interstellar food supply um, being run um, very, very low. So, uh, with that, Captain Kirk, who is long believed to have been dead, goes on a quest to find the source of this mysterious virus. Um, anyways, elsewhere in the galaxy, if we have Kirk, we can't go anywhere without our buddy Spock. So, Ambassador Spock has um, these diplomatic efforts stalled by the spread of a famine, chaos, and runs to uh, Vulcan to um, take care of something of a personal nature, uh, which is interesting in itself. And the question that is kind of coming about within this is, did Sarek die or was the brother man murdered? Yeah. 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 And anyways, Kirk... And Spock have to join forces to save a new generation. So there we go. Yeah, I mean, honestly, for the kind of, <clears throat> I guess, almost overexertion of plot lines in the very beginning, it actually winds up being relatively simple. There's a virus. We're trying to quarantine people. Felt oddly topical. <laughs> oddly topical so you have a virus we can't figure it out um i did find it a little bit odd uh one part where even picard seems to have some despair mm-hmm. in relation to this so i thought that, that was a little strange um but they did keep uh keep focus on you know things that we sort of know um babel they mentioned babel um spock was on babel for a little while uh i don't have his name immediately but the uh sarek's aide uh that we saw in next gen i believe if i'm remembering correctly the the older aide not the vulcan aide but like his human aide i want to and I could be wrong, but I, I thought I thought that it was the same name. It's not Sorel, right? No, 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 not not Sorel. Like I said, he he had a Vulcan aide who was helping helping him with his mind, but then he also had a human aide with him as well, who did like all of his, you know. Oh no, Sarah can't go and see that play Picard. Are you kidding? <clears throat> you know that kind of thing. Okay. So I yeah. think it was the same guy. Um. But yeah, I mean, let, let me let's just jump into one thing, okay? Let's just jump into this because I also in. sort of, I also kind of played a little bit in, in our in our terra firma episode as well. Why 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 can't we let Vulcans be Vulcans? Because at times, like, and and even here, and we get it with Spock too, where we always have to bring it back to 
oh, well, of course, they clearly still have emotions. It's like, but can you just let, like, a Vulcan be a Vulcan? Sure. A little bit? Um, I, I feel like sometimes in Trek, <clears throat> and it's not all the time, and it's it's usually just Beverly Crusher. Sorry to throw Beverly out there. No, she's How dare not, you? She's fine. She's <laughs> fine. Uh, but, you know, we, we tend to sometimes get this... Um, we want to put the human values on these other species. Mm-hmm. And it always seems with Vulcans because, <clears throat> you know, they do, they did have very volatile emotion. And the yeah. reason why they went away from that and purged it was because of their extremely violent past that threatened to rip them apart. Right. And they found a way to cope with that. But sometimes I feel like us humans, we just can't let it, let it alone. It's like, it's, it's like old paint. We're just sitting there with our little pointer fingers and just picking at it. You know, just like, oh, I got a little piece off. Oh, hey, look, there's some blue under this white. And then I got, <laughs> I got to get a little bit more of a piece off of there. You know, it's like, just leave it alone, okay? I don't want to have to repaint the wall. Um, but even with Spock, you know, some of his, his reactions here, we see it, an angry Spock at times. Of course, he's also half human, though. Yeah, and, and that's what I was going to say. Like, I think it's more acceptable for, for Spock to to do it right because he's half human it's just part of who he is but like Sarek and like T'Pring and any other Vulcan that we 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 cross paths with yeah like why why are we why are we needing to throw in more of this human emotion like the point the point of these characters is to compare and contrast like who we are who we as humans are and to make us look at ourselves, not see ourselves like that, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I don't know. I just thought I'd bring it up because, like, we we do we do have several instances through the re- really through the um, kind of vein of Counselor Troy uh, spotting these kind of emotional cues and mm-hmm. a couple of Vulcans throughout the story. Um, which interestingly enough, we have, uh, and, and and again, correct me if I'm wrong, because you're you're far more the expert in this field than I am. Uh-oh. And I was actually trying to look for names here because two of our Vulcans, I believe one of them was Spock's former wife, and then uh, was it Stan and? Uh, well, yeah, Tapring Tapring was was Spock's um, Tapring um, old old ex fiance uh, fiance yeah yeah. So, like, you go back to uh, Mock Time from the original series. And um, anyway, yeah, she's... Same same with Stan. I mean, Stan was from Mock Time, too. Yeah. It's just like, oh, yeah, I can totally trust them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's, like, some weird, like, smoke and mirrors, like, cloak and dagger kind of weird nonsense kind of going on with them and and just this whole <clears throat> investigation that we're getting into right right I guess just as far as characters we could also <laughs> we could also uh, bring up the Kirk worshiper herself <laughs> Christine McDonald uh who calls her doctor friend Bones as well, which honestly, the first time I heard it kind of confused me. It's like, wait, did they bring back McCoy again? Oh, it's like, <laughs> oh, no, she's 
she's a wannabe she's a wannabe Captain Kirk. I got it. I got it. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of that was, I mean that was kind of you know it was something. It's fine. Yeah. Okay, so there's with with all the storylines going on and you know Kirk giving or Shatner giving um uh Frakes you know Shatner giving number 1 um some attitude so to speak in the narration um it felt like it took a while to arrive at the whole virus thing did you did you get that too when you when you were reading yeah, and listening it, to it yeah it kind of felt like we were almost attempting to tie up loose ends that really weren't all that loose. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but yes, it, it did feel like it took a little while to get to the, to get to the virus. And really, I mean, we start, we start that basically with Picard, um, you know, effectively running the blockade, you know, he's <laughs> don't go anywhere. <laughs> Stop trying to break through this blockade. You're very, very sick. Yeah. And then the freaking ship attempts to, to run through the blockade, you know. Or do they? Or do they? Yeah, yeah but I, I mean... It, it, now, it seems like the, the whole virus thing... Now, does it start with plant life and then moves to animal life? Because it seems like it pretty much does everything, but it specifically goes after all like plant life too. Like you know, to like to your point, we had a lot of we even there was even made mention about um, uh, Romulans, you know, with their you know oh maybe they're worried about their uh, food mm-hmm. supply, you know, and so forth. So I, I don't know. Is this like a it's just like a complete killer. It's like the perfect virus. That's how I was. That's how I had been experiencing. It. Yeah, I think it did start with with plants, right? Because like I think the plants. Yeah, because everything. Yeah, it, I think it started with that, and it just spread be, through like just the whole circle of life stuff, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah, it, yeah, the perfect virus. So um, maybe this is a very timely book. Uh, yeah, for, unfortunately. For, yeah. Now, apart from the virus, one thing that we, we we've been talking about characters and like one particular character that kind of pops up from earlier on in the trilogy is Teilani, uh from Ashes of Eden. Right. Yeah. They they wind up going back to to Chell. Yeah. And um, I, so I thought that was kind of like a cool thing that they did in, in bringing the story together. I know we're kind of jumping around, but. Um, oh, it was cool. <clears throat> <laughs> How many times can one person make love? Perhaps endless. Probably. Who knows? <laughs> Again, like Shatner is the master of being William Shatner. Like in in in, in the last book, it was something. It was uh, with the with the lover. And it was like, and she looked over to something, and who was her lover? And in this one, it's like, well, buddy, 
Kirk had a good time. Let me just, Kirk had a good time. He's home. He's making a cabin. I mean, he's setting up just like in his dream sequence in Generations, man. He's just, he's just having a good old time, except it's actually real this time. <laughs> Save, and he, no. sa- he saves her with an herbal remedy. Did did that just seem like really convenient? Very extremely, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, cause we we do get you know how he is still alive, which actually winds up being very underwhelming to me, at least. I mean, it's like, oh, okay, sure, that makes sense. Which then also drives the plant cure. So. I would have been, you know, I don't know. I, I, I guess thinking, thinking about how they saved Kirk in this book, would you have written it any different or were you, were you okay with that explanation? I mean, eh, good as any other, I guess. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I really don't know what I would have done different. Um, you know, like, I mean, like, the whole thing is, like, just so contrived, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, between... I mean, Shatner just didn't want his character to die. So, like, let's... let's oh, just yeah. Let's magic our way. Let's let's science our way <laughs> into remaining alive type, type of thing, or resurrecting, or whatever, uh, right. depending on the book that you're reading. Would you Would yeah. you have done it any differently? Well, I mean, if you know me by now, I would have just, he would have just been dead because I'm okay with sometimes having to let go of characters mm-hmm. like Giorgio. I would have been okay with her not making it past the season premiere mm-hmm. of season one of Discovery because it plays a part. Um, but I mean, I mean, it, it was, it was fine. It, it just, you know, the, the, the sort of the plant tea cure um, did seem a little bit convenient. That's the only thing that I would say. It just seems like very convenient. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there you go, I guess. Yeah, and <clears throat> you know we we were we were talking about um, you know Philippa Georgiou with Discovery and having to let her go and the method in which that was done. And, you know, we were kind of talking briefly about Picard and what happens in that series with how he goes away. I would have been perfectly okay with with Picard, like, you know, with it being like a three-season thing, like they've been kind of teasing. And just at the end of three seasons, he dies. And that'd be it. Like, I, I felt like it was kind of a waste, like, with Picard to just kind of kill him, to let him be you know, in limbo for five minutes on screen and then make him an Android. I thought that was kind of weird. And I thought it was not good for his character. Just let the dude die. Like just play out like this terminal brain thing and let him die. I, I I vaguely remember talking about this when Picard was airing. I have a, I have a kind of a weird personal thing about, resurrection in a lot of these ways um because like with with um kirk it was more 
it felt like more science. You know, the Borg brought him back. Mm-hmm. How? Nanites. Okay. Picard dies. How do they save him exactly? They. So for me, I, I want to believe that, like, people have a soul. That when you die is released. And that's the essence of a person. Is their soul. Just to be able to bring somebody back kind of in a lot of ways feels like a negation of the soul and it's just all electrons and neurons and when we take the big sleep it's just lights out and there's that's it um that doesn't necessarily scare me but i just i hope that we're a little bit more than a meat sack with a light bulb turned on for a while you know what i mean right and i think that's i think that's that partly has to do like with your world world view and i'm gonna go out on a limb and, and probably take a wild guess that you and I have similar worldviews when it comes to that kind of thing too with you know the the the, the immaterial with with the soul yeah. and and that being the thing that makes a person per, perhaps who they are so right. whether you take that that worldview or you take something that's probably more in line with Star Trek which is going to be more humanistic secularist and stuff and that's fine right like anyone can appreciate it it's just a worldview thing and I don't know yeah it's there's something that's missing like that spark right like it's it's really that spark that we're really getting at that um, that makes the person who they are and yeah like like the Borg thing's cool I guess you know, yay, we get Captain Kirk back. Um, and I know that this is all fictional, David. I'm not that dense. But I'm more, okay, like, for some reason, I'm more okay with this happening to Kirk with the resurrection than I am with Picard. And I, and I don't know why. Mm. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, yeah, I think, I think I am as well. Um, I don't know. There's just something about Kirk where I think you can just throw a lot of things against a wall and it just be okay. But also, I do think that there's a distinct difference between a book and physically seeing somebody on the screen too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but but you're right. I mean, Star Trek does a lot of um, a lot of things that you know science in. I mean, we we had an entire episode, and I was just actually trying to quick quick type this, and it looks like if I'm not incorrect called the chase uh which actually explained (laughs) all of the species actual existence and how they became uh something became who they were so to speak so i don't know i think in this world uh, it you know in a way it makes sense but you know it's always just one of those personal things where you just kind of wish they were a little bit more like and even with with kirk kirk is unique like he's a unique kind of you know swashbuckling from a different time mm-hmm. person, and Picard is a completely different, unique person, right? Um, you know, in his in his own way, and and so forth. So, I don't know. Sometimes sometimes it's cool to let let folks go, but we're not gonna we're not gonna be letting go of Kirk anytime soon. At least not in this series. No, 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 no. And and I remember Eric kind of. I think he was like playing devil's advocate 
to an extent where he was because I brought up like the whole Picard thing like like that's I was I was very adamant like that is not Picard I don't care what you say that is not Picard I'm not okay with this type of thing and he's like well how is it okay for Spock and and I think my response was something along the lines of well Spock is Vulcan for one and they have like their own like Vulcan mysticism like their own Vulcan stuff like yeah, culture the ca- the yeah like yeah but yeah the contra like and, and everything that goes into like their Vulcan culture and society it's right. different by virtue of the fact that they're alien even if even if Spock is half human so to me it's more acceptable even from a fictional story um, to be on board with what they could get away with when it came with Spock came to Spock compared to what we see at the end of Star Trek Picard yeah, and, and you know, to to rope in another <clears throat> another fandom uh, with uh, with Stargate. So we had you know a time frame where Daniel mm-hmm. had uh, he ascended. effectively ascended, yeah, you know, and became a higher being. <laughs> Quotations, higher being. Um, so you know, thus bringing forth the uh, potential evolutionary afterlife type of deal. And, I mean, a similar thing could be sort of conveyed with the Vulcans because with them, with Picard, it was more, to me, I would just say it feels more mechanical than with the Vulcans. It is a far more spiritual with a deeper understanding of what they call the Katra, which in my estimation would be the essence of their person, which would mean their soul. Mm -hmm. So somehow they had been able to latch on to that and... I mean, literally, be able to transfer it. Um, uh, Enterprise. We had an uh, episode of Enterprise where Archer and T'Pol find the Katra of um, uh, Surak, you know, and they bring forth a new era for Vulcans doing to bringing back that, you know, that teaching. So, yeah, I mean, the Vulcans are different. Picard, it felt more like, um, oh, wow, I'm thinking about too many episodes without remembering names. Uh, we had the episode where, uh, I don't remember the guy's name, but he had transferred his, like, brain patterns into data. Oh, um, oh, I know what you're talking about. You know, it's kind of one of those things. It's like, well, I'm like your grandpa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're, it's. I want to say Tin Man, but I know it's not Tin Man, and Eric is again yelling at us right now. And I want to say that's a season two episode of Next Gen. Ira Graves, Doctor Ira Graves. Yeah, I was two. I was trying to think. I was trying to think of the episode name. Y- yeah. Um, just found the guy. Was it Schizoid Man? There we go. That's it. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, that was kind of a, you know, weird sort of technological way to do it. But does that mean he really is still there? Blah, blah, blah. Those are existential crisis things we may or may not want to talk about today. <laughs> well, you know. 
This this book does have like a whole death and murdery vibe to it, so goodness, yeah. Okay. Can we can we talk about I know I kind of like hinted at it, but I, I want to just kind of just go ahead and talk about the whole unification part. Mm-hmm. Um now mind you, there are other episodes besides unification there, there there are two two stories in next gen where where Eric shows up like the first one where you know we're we're hearing about this um ben dyson syndrome this yep. condition that he has um and Sarek's the only one that can really do the thing that needs to be done in this first episode so picard decides to take up take upon himself um and touch his mind so that Sarah can have more clarity um, during yep. these talks. That's fine. And then we kind of see like the culmination of that in Unification Part One. And we just got done not too long ago talking about um, the Unification series so far. Like in, we, we we briefly talked about Unification One and Two, and then of course Unification Three. Um, your favorite, out, your favorite unification, favorite of the of Star <laughs> Trek Discovery. <laughs> and uh, so, in there, we were we're hearing it as like almost like an Alzheimer's, like dementia kind of like thing. Yeah. Too. I think that's probably like the best way that we can kind of capture it, characterize it in terms of human speak, like what this means, like brain's just kind of like going going haywire and like you're losing control you're becoming more volatile um motor control and and all sorts of other things are really becoming an issue for vulcans which also happens for humans too and unification one like not even halfway through Sarek dies finally gives in he has like a few moments of clarity while picard's talking to him in his bed Whatever he's laying on in Unification One, <laughs> it's not a bed; it's something it's like a the settee. I don't it's know. It's like a gurney or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, Let me just say, it's probably very comfortable. Hundred percent, hundred percent comfortable. And but, anyways, like we we see that we see him losing his mind, and it's this particular storyline that we're talking about right now with Next Gen that is being alluded to in the book with this virus this thing that is impacting uh, Vulcans that has imp- that has 100% impacted Sarek that has also made its way into impacting Spock as well right so w- you know a lot of the conversation that you and I have had along along with you know Eric as well has been these borrowing of of like really popular storylines you know popular devices uh things of that nature and how they're incorporated into other star trek stories uh case in point with the most recent one being Gar- the guardian forever from uh, city on the edge of forever to now terra firma part two so we know where we stand with that but Tell me a little bit about like your thoughts on how this was incorporated into this particular storyline that Shatner and company put together. 
I'm sorry. Can you repeat that real quick for me? Just, just like what what you think about like continuing to borrow popular stories to make other stories look good or sound good. I mean, isn't that just the way things go, though? I, I mean, how many remakes of movies do we need? How many relaunches of a franchise do we need? How many? Right. You know, I mean, like. To, to get the joke out of the way, but like Unification Part 3 really didn't have anything to do with Unification at all, really. Right. And it, you know, again, we were attempting to sort of borrow certain themes to tell a story. And depending on what your thoughts of that story, um, it's either good or bad, just depends on your interpretation of it. You know, you weren't necessarily a big fan. I was fine with it. But... I don't know. It's it's just the way to, it's just the way things go because like I I don't know if we've really ever really went into this all that much but like is William Shatner really writing the entirety of this book or is he like throwing ideas and then our co-writers which are very clearly printed on each of these books providing more structure. You know right. what I mean? Right. I, I mean So I would think that I mean with the return you know I would I would give Shatner a lot of credit with the return because he spent a crap load of time following filming generations for a story treatment. Right. So I I'll give the return to him but like Ashes of Eden and this one I don't know, bro. I don't know. I mean like when if if yeah. if I write something for a journal article if I'm the one that's putting in the most effort I've you know with organizing and creating deadlines and you know contributing information like whether that's actually writing theoretical stuff running data sets of course I'm going to get a first author byline yeah and then like anyone else that's working with me they'll get like second third etc etc bylines so I mean with did he did I mean I'm not dogging on the chat but like did he pay money to be, get the first author byline I don't know I think that that's the 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 biggest actor in the room gets the top billing type of deal perhaps really but I I will say though that borrowing past storylines aside there is a bit of I don't necessarily want to go so deep as to call it retconning, but explaining things that we thought were a different way. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So taking it into a, I really hate talking about like alternate timelines, but almost alternate timelining things because even we, we even get into Kirk's childhood. So if, if you ask anybody listening, when was the first time Kirk met Sarek? Uh, and if this were canon, you would probably be wrong, I would have to assume. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, because we dig right back at kind of one of the, geez, like one of the centralizing, like trauma to, you know, traumatizing 
pieces of his past that ultimately was kind of a lie in a way. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting, um, you know, to hear, you know, just hear Kodos again was strange. Um, and then like you alluded to in the very beginning, did, was it really Ben Dye syndrome that took out Sarek or, <clears throat> you know, was maybe you know, murdered a little bit. <laughs> did somebody say murder? <laughs> So I, I, I don't know. And I don't really know how I how I really feel about that, to be honest with you. I don't know. What what were what did you what did you think about the potential for Sarek being murdered? I I liked the death that he had in Unification. Um, yeah. It felt worthwhile with with what they were doing for him, and um, I don't know, like <sighs> I guess, I guess I mean I, I hate to keep bringing it up, but like even with Terra Firma, like with the whole Kelpian bit, with. You, you know, like we know that it, it's all a ruse, you know, in yeah. outside the mirror universe and that we've already experienced that with with Saru. But the mirror universe doesn't. So it, it feels kind of weird, like rewriting it by but not rewriting it, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah. There's a very, very small part of me that um, is was could be okay with the whole um, it was murder type of thing. Uh, but, I mean, it's it's not a hill really worth dying on as far as I'm concerned. Does it change your opinion at all, though, to get I mean, potentially some of the naughty things <clears throat> that Sarek and Amanda were... Uh, we're kind of both involved in though. Yeah, that that was kind of weird. Like let's let's rewrite let's rewrite, you know, history. You know, with yeah. What was it called? It was called the the Symmetrist. Symmetrist, yeah. That that was just kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought it I thought it was a little a little odd. And coincidentally, how did Amanda die? Do you know that? Because I can't remember, and I think that there were some alternate things. Like, I thought at one point in, like, one line of thought, like, she died in, like, a shuttle accident. And then, I mean, if we're talking about, like, you know, the movie, the renewed movie timeline, you know, she died a different way, so. Yeah, it was, it was, um... Yes. Yeah, it, w it was a shuttlecraft. Um, okay. Early on, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, there's like there's like weird like timeline stuff that goes on, like whether it's 
the shows slash movies versus like the books in terms of like establishing it, but I'm pretty sure it happened right around the time of the Kittimer Peace Accords. Uh, oh, when all that okay. when all that stuff was going on. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. That, that had nothing to do with this particular episode. But it's you know, it's okay. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, but like what what do you think of of the symmetrist like kind of like terror organization of sorts and the fact that we have Sarek and a handful of other well-known Vulcans that are are part of this I didn't really get the aim like what, I didn't what was either. the what was the aim of the symmetrists and what what logic would put Sarek and Amanda there I mean you know I, what I mean I read it as like as just a like an even more ardent logic purism. But like, apart from that, I'm kind of lost on, on what it was. Like, are we, I mean, are we trying to become even like extra orthodox with our, with our logic as a society? I mean, is that what we're, what we're pushing? Yeah. And that, that just doesn't really make sense to me when you think about, okay, so subtract Sarek, add Amanda. I mean, Amanda's human. So following any sort of like logic extremism has never been her MO. I mean, my God, <laughs> it's, it's never been, uh, you know, her, her MO or, you know, later on with like, you know, Perrin, his did, second wife. Did you think, so. it, did you think it was ultra convenient that there was a letter recording mm. um, that was that was made to like share Sarek's mind, heart, whatever, along yeah. with the symmetrist stuff, um, and that w- it was that that Amanda was giving it to Spock's uncle to give to him at a later time. Yeah, the uncle, Uncle Randy. That's not his name, by the way, but I feel like everybody has an Uncle Randy. Everyone has an Uncle Randy, for sure. You know, crazy Uncle Randy, who also has Bendai Syndrome, by the way. And yeah, and they just have some old retro projectors, and you know, they're going to set up their slides to the Grand Canyon. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is the second rest stop we stopped along Route 66. And here's the pancakes we had. This was all before Pinterest and Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, again, I, I think, I think that just for logic's sake, I, I could see, I could see Sarah and Amanda like getting together a group of friends like for a nice little book club, and you know they're they're sipping on some Romulan ale maybe, you know, because yeah, they're rebels. Why not? <laughs> You know, and and maybe they talk about a different way because I I don't know. I mean, I just think about the time of Vulcans. It's like this isn't these aren't the Vulcans of like Archer's era. You know what I mean? They they've changed from that and they're kind of they're different. And I, I again, the logic purist thing, I mean, that's always going to be there. You're going to have people who take take that those teachings far. Um but it it just didn't make much sense to me. It didn't make much sense, and then for for it to go as far as um, oh, what was that planet Tarsus Tarsus four for for it to go as far as that 
that made me a little uncomfortable, I guess, in a way. Because it's like, I don't see how Sarek would ever allow that to go that far and him mm-hmm. still have any involvement in it. Mm-hmm. And then kind of to cover it up. This was just a really weird book for me. Yeah. This just a really, really weird book. It felt, um, and I don't know if we want to keep talking about it, but I mean, I'm not tr- intentionally trying to get into um, like an evaluative thing, but it was just, this book just felt kind of all over the place for me. It just felt kind of disjointed at times and like, why are we talking about this right now? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. But hey, we do know how to get out of Vulcan prisons, though. <laughs> so that's good. <laughs> y'all y'all listening will just have to read the book to find out. <laughs> yes, that we will not spoil. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good grief. Was, was there anything... I don't know. Was there anything else about the book that you did want to, you know, bring up or, or discuss? Well, I mean, realistically, you know, we, again, we had our, we kind of had our yippee kaye moment with, um, you know, with the USS Tobias, uh, which was Commander McDonald's ship, aka, you know, Kirk for life, uh, Kirk for life are there, um, fake bones and, uh, and then other engineer guy who I was fairly sure was going to die at some point, but I don't think he did. Nope. Uh, at least didn't make much of an impact if he did. Um, so anyway, it was it was interesting. You know their little side story quest, um, Spock's anger issues, the race for the cure, Picard being pretty wrong, uh, like starting almost starting a war. That was fun, you know. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. I, I think um, I, I, th- I think that we're, we're, we're kind of, you know, towards a natural conclusion without really, like, digging too much deeper into all of the subtleties and, and spoilers, I guess. Right. Right. So last time when we were kind of talking about it and... Um, assessing it you know we still did I think like a one to ten rating system like we do with everything else mm-hmm. pretty much and you had talked about uh, the Shatner isms and like the Shatner cheese factor uh, in the last book uh, I know that for a fact um, so I guess I guess it's like the same thing like in terms of like you know how how high are we on the Shatner meter and um, and just kind how of many ha- Shatners out of Shatners do we give this Shatner book? Yeah, <laughs> on a scale to oh my, how would you rate it? <laughs> no, but seriously, like how how would you um, how would you rate oh, this book? It, it listen just on the Shatner scale, it's a solid nine out of ten Shatners. Um, <laughs> j- just strictly for for you know his influence on it, because like again the whole. Oh, the whole uh, him and uh, Teilani uh, stuff was was a lot of fun. Um, as far as an actual score for the book, um, I I, th- I think I think it kind of hit or it missed the mark a bit for me. 
um, where the other two hit it a little bit better, I guess. Um, so I would say it's it's more than likely the weakest out. I, I think in my head I was probably at like a, like six and a quarter, I think. Okay. I think that that would be a good thing. But I mean, like there there's some there's some interesting stuff in here. It just um, you know, it feels a little it feels a little bit more self-serving, I think, mm. than the other books. Yeah. And for me. Um, I didn't hate this, but I didn't enjoy it as much as I did the return. And, and for me, like, I'm kind of in like a similar ballpark. Um, I'm between like a five and a half and a six, like maybe like a 5.8 just to be somewhere in the middle. Um, it's not a, it's not a, it really isn't a, a terrible book. And I say that giving it that rating. Um, it, it's there's a good story in there, but it just feels kind of almost like isolated um, at times. Like different stories are being kind of isolated, and it just to me it had like kind of a hard time maybe connecting, like having like that through line all the way through the book. That's just me. Yeah. Um, I think it's I think I think it's a fun romp. It, um, for for this third book in the Shatnerverse, it's it's kind of a fun romp, um, and then having, you know, like a little a few nods here and there to you know past books and other Star Trek episodes like Amok Time and of course you know, the unification stuff with Sarek and you know generations of course because this all stems from generations. Let's be honest. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's not bad, and I I. I mean, even though I gave it a five five point eight, and you gave it what a six and a quarter, is that what what you said? Yeah. I mean, still check it out, like hundred percent. Check it out. You might give it a higher rating, just like anything. I mean, this is like straight up so subjective; it's not even funny. For sure. And when you figure out why it's called Avenger, you can go ahead and just get on, look up whatever tier TV pod just somewhere, and then like say I, I figured it out. That's your that's your homework, dude. Don't they like straight up say that way too many times? (laughs) But there's only one reason, and there's only one Avenger. (sighs) (laughs) Anyway, well, I think I think that's it. I mean, I think we can can wrap it up. And uh, anyways, next month. We are going to be um, continuing along with our Star Trek literature adventures. Um, just a reminder, you know, this is something that we're we're going to be getting into more. Um, and so, on the twenty seventh of each month, we'll be doing some kind of Star Trek book something. And um, next month, we have a brand new um, book coming out that David and I will be um, digesting as quick as we're able to, because I think it comes out like. <laughs> maybe the middle of January, if I'm not mistaken. I think is that, I think mm-hmm. that's what I saw. Um, anyways, it's another Star Trek Picard era book, but this one focuses on uh, Captain Riker and the Titan. And um, it's also st- considered like a prequel of sorts to the Star Trek Picard season one um, story that we saw on CBS All Access. So um, I'd encourage you all to, you know, pick up these books, you know, Ashes of Eden, The Return, Avenger, and of course, 
you know, knowing that the 27th is right around the corner, pre-order the book um, or the or the audio book, whatever floats your boat. Check it out and join us um, as we talk about it. Um, so any any other thoughts um, about the book or just books in general with Star Trek that you want to add, David? Um, I, I'll, I'll just say this. Uh, reading is very important. And there is a ton of literature within the Star Trek universe. And all you have to do is go out and find it. And read. And mm-hmm. learn. Mm-hmm. And comprehend. And read some more. And repeat. That's all. <laughs> Roger that. All right. Well, um, thank you everyone for, for listening to us. Um, you know, we hope you had, you have, and that you had a Merry Christmas um, since it's already happened for you, but not for us. It's very wibbly wobbly, timey wimey stuff. Um, and um, anyways, we will catch you next time. Um, make sure you let us know what you thought. And, um, you know, you can support the show by leaving us a review, a comment. We have no idea how we're doing. If you even like what we're doing, if you don't let us know every now and again, um, that would be fan friggin' tastic. So you can do that, um, you know, leaving a review on like iTunes or Podbean or wherever you might listen. That hopefully we'll be able to see um, <laughs> what your review is because that'd be kind of awkward if we didn't. Um, you can also, um, you know, join one of our groups, leave a comment on social media. We're on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter um, at TRTVPod. And um, if you're into Star Wars content, I'm just going to put the plug in right now. If you're into Star Wars content, and especially Star Wars literature, David does some amazing work over his podcast at uh, the, the Contingency Plan Podcast. Um, it's at TC Plan Podcast, I believe, on Twitter. And you have a Facebook group, if I'm not mistaken, right? Or page. Just a page. Just a Facebook yep, page. Yeah, just okay. a page. Okay. Um, so check him out. Um, he puts out great episodes um, pretty much every week, if I'm not mistaken, like on Sundays and Mondays, right? Uh, yeah, generally. Generally either Sunday or Monday, just depending on, you know, my time. <laughs> it's very important that my time is used wisely. There we go. It's very important to me. Hmm. Maybe this was a bad idea coming on my show then. anyway anyways um yeah check out his show um he's i mean it's mainly a star wars literature podcast but they do all sorts of other star wars discussion and stuff too and they're wrapping up or have wrapped up mandalorian by now um so anyways yeah check us out on all the socials um let us know how we're doing and if you're so inclined and feeling generous we would love um uh, for you to be a patron on Patreon, uh, we have some affordable tiers that help keep the lights on, so to speak. And that's patreon.com slash these are the voyages. And uh, uh, we also have a website, trtvpod.com. You can learn more about us and interact with us there. Uh, if you do want to get in contact with us, you can do that by um, entering in coordinates to trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice only transmission to 817 752 4757. Remember, there's a three-minute time limit, and your comments may be used on a future episode of These Are the Voyages. And finally, if you do um, want to, you know, mail us something like an herbal tea pack or something, um, you can do that. Make sure it gets to the Lone Star Station at P.O. Box 2455, Azel, Texas 76098. Everyone, thank you so much for joining us. And David, once again, thank you for... um, 
being a glutton for punishment and reading with me. Um, and as we leave here today, may you all remember to boldly go and make it so.